0: this week on Wednesday, I had lunch with the pastor of First Presbyterian Church and the new pastor of First Baptist Church and a friend. And that friend thought the three of us should get together and have lunch. A couple of months ago, he emailed us and he said, hey, I think you three guys who pastor here on the State Street Corridor should have lunch. What do you think? And my response was, first of all, why are you using the word corridor? Nobody says corridor." and look at the person next to you and say, corridor. See, that's just, nobody does that, right? But I said, yeah, I'm in, count, count on me. And so we connected, and that conversation, as great as it was, it just had me thinking about that church and that church and the church and this church. And one of the refrains that kept being mentioned by each guy was that, hey, we do things differently, but we're all on the same team. This morning, I want to talk to you. Um, it's the third sermon in this five-part series, and it's entitled this, Membership That Cares For Me. And I understand when we talk about church membership, I understand that there are barriers. I understand that there, it, there is baggage. There's hurt. There's a lot of probably misunderstanding. In fact, in my younger days, I remember, I think a lot of you do, I remember a commercial. Uh, an American Express commercial. and the American Express commercial, what was the tagline? Membership what? Membership has its privileges. And I would say 99.9% of the time in our world today, when we talk about membership, we're talking about privileges. We're talking about what do I get from this membership. But can I say I just want to deconstruct that today. And I want to ask you to think the opposite of that. And so understanding that there's baggage, understanding that there are barriers, understanding there are some things we have to deconstruct, I want to tell you today, I want to tell you that I have an agenda, okay? I just want to be up front with it. And my agenda is to change your mind about church membership. My agenda is to get you to think some fresh thoughts about what God may be saying to you. I want to do things just a little bit differently today. Nine times out of ten, if not more, we'll, we'll have you open the scripture in the ESV study Bible. I'll point you to the passage and the page number. We'll put it up on the screen. But I want you just to listen, if you will. Write down the re- scripture references because I want you to look at them later. But I just want to quote from Romans chapter 12 while you listen. And I want to, my agenda is to change your mind. My agenda is to get you to think about this and about your role. And in being involved in a church, maybe even this one, where you can see this lived out, where you can say there's membership. I have membership in this place that cares for me. They know my name, they know my story, and I'm a part of this faith family. Romans chapter 12, verse 9 through 13, again, just write down the reference, if you. and I really do want you to look at it later. But it says this, let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. Not lagging behind in diligence, but being fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Persevere in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Practice hospitality. You see, that stretch of scripture, to me, it changes my mind. And it says to me, and I think we need this spoken to us afresh today, that church membership, being involved with a group of folks, it really does matter. Let love be without hypocrisy. Don't you want to be around people who are real? And don't you want to learn to be a more authentic person? Who doesn't want that? Let love be without hypocrisy hypocrisy the greek language there the original new testament greek language the the idea there was that a hypocrite was someone who wore a mask theater was big and people back then they didn't have the budget and the cast and so so, actors or actresses they would put on different masks and paul is saying what jesus preached let love be without hypocrisy don't wear mask be who you are who doesn't want to be a part of that abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. In other words, there's something to life. And the goal is for us not to just drift. The goal for us is to think about how God has made us and think about what God has for us in the world. So my agenda, everybody's heard it, it's to change your mind, it's to get you to think fresh, it's to get you to dream about how membership could care for you, about how the church really does matter. Paul says in Romans 12, the passage I quoted, he says, be devoted. Be devoted, be fervent in spirit. Don't lag behind in diligence. Now, if you're in the Olympics and you're running and you're running with Hussein Bolt, what's he gonna do if you're lagging behind? He's gonna look at you, right? He's gonna look at you while you're lagging behind. It's not good to lag behind. I don't wanna lag behind. I wanna be someone who's devoted, And the idea there from Romans 12 is this, devoted equals fervency. Fervency of spirit, which equals an overflow. He's going to go on to say that in Romans 15, let your life overflow. Don't just contain the character of Christ, let it overflow. Now let's admit that there are some things in life it's not good when it overflows, right? If you're cooking, if you're baking that pie or that casserole, And it overflows. Thank God for self-cleaning ovens I found out this week. It's not good for some things to, to overflow. When it's really raining in your gutters, water's cascading off the side of your house, that's not a good overflow. All your electronic devices and home appliances, it's not good to overflow or overload the circuit, right? There are some things we don't want to overflow, but overflow can be such a good and beautiful thing. Emily and Tyler Moore, a neat young couple, in our church, they felt a burden for the flood victims of Louisiana. And just two people like you, church members, not necessarily leaders or paid staff, they just said, hey, I wanna, I wanna impact lives. We, we have to do something. So they worked with Van, our missions pastor, and a couple others, and we had a drop-off place. Some of you know this. A lot of you apparently know it. And I think they were thinking we'd carry one car load or truck load down, in our room, our garden room over there Didn't it, Jeff? It overflowed with your care and your goodness. People came and dropped off, so many of you, and we've got a room overflowing with supplies to help people. There's some overflow that you don't want, but there's an overflow that's a good thing. To be devoted is to be fervent in spirit. To be fervent in spirit is to have something in you that overflows. English majors know what adverbs are. Adverbs add on to verbs. Many adverbs end with the word L-Y. And Paul is saying here that to be members of one another, to live together as the church, to represent Jesus in a dark world, is to be devoted to one another. It's to have fervency of spirit. It's to live fervently. In other words, your life, in mine, we need some adverbs. The church needs some adverbs. We need some more words that are characterized, characterized of our lives that end in ly. Don't just don't just serve, serve joyfully. Don't just give, give sacrificially. Don't just love, love recklessly. Your life and mine, we need some adverbs. Acts chapter two. This word that. This first word, this word devoted that I quoted from Romans chapter 12, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. In other words, be a family. This word we see in Acts chapter 2, which was one of the great passages about the church when it was functioning in a real healthy way. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to 47, a bunch of you know this. Let's put that up. They, here's the word, they devoted themselves to what? To the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Isn't that different than some of our experience where church is a place where, if we're faithful, we sit, we soak, and then we sour? But there's something here. How are you living your life? How do you want to live your life? What adverbs do you need? Oftentimes, our life is not lived fervently, it's lived pathetically. What adverbs describe your experience with a body of believers? Are you living sadly, reluctantly, indecisively, fearfully? The team just let us. I will not fear, right? But so often we do. That's what characterizes our lives. What a challenge. Let me be honest with you. I'm a pastor. this is one of the greatest struggles when I look back at the early church and I see it functioning in such a healthy way in such a dynamic way and then I think of 2016 in America I'm talking really America with all that we have some of our folks just got back from Cambodia where they saw the church over there as I saw a couple of summers ago but to consider the American church to consider the progress we've made. How many of you are thankful for air condition? Right? You know there was a time when air condition didn't exist? What's his name? Carrier? Is that his last name, Carrier? Thank God for Carrier. But air condition came along, and we went from hanging out on the front porch to going inside, right? There's no need to hang out. I mean, let's just go inside. We got air condition. And then they invented... The, they went, we went from the detached garage, where if anybody knows about a attached garage, you have to walk into your house, and you're likely to see people when you're going from your garage to your house. But then they, uh, I see a builder on the front row. Then construction guys, uh, architects and all, they started designing attached garages. And then they invented, don't you love this, the garage door opener. Ours has been broken for two weeks. It got fixed this week. We're so happy. We're back to being Christians now. But like the garages, attached garage door opener. Right, we can shop online. I, I'm old enough to remember when, when caller ID was invented. You no longer had to take a blind phone call, right? All these things that have helped us progress, and I'm, I, I, honestly, I'm thankful for every one of them. I know you are, but we can do everything inside. We can do everything alone. We can shop and do everything. And I wonder about Acts two forty-two to forty-seven today when we just want to stay inside and be to ourselves. Here's a rewrite of Acts two forty-two to 47. Uh, I'll call it the new current version. The Christians were, here's the word, they were devoted to themselves and occasionally got to church when they had time. No one was filled with awe because there were no signs and wonders performed. Very few of the believers were together and they had almost nothing in common because they had no real time for each other. If they sold something, they used it to buy something for themselves. They ate on the run, kept to themselves, and were too rushed to enjoy one another or give praise to God. They claimed to love God, but they didn't really love each other. They get, they get very empty and alone. As a result, most people disliked them, and very few people were ever saved. Acts 2, 42 to 47, in the new current Version. Now the goal here is not to say, shame on you, shame on us. The goal is to say, can we move from what is at times a pathetic experience to one that's devoted? What does Paul say from Romans 12, 9 to 13? Be devoted to one another as a family with brotherly affection and love. Be devoted to one another. You can't be around fondering church very long without hearing me preach a sermon about a one another or two. The scripture has a whole bunch. Now I quoted Romans 12, nine to 13. You're going to look at it later, right? But in first Corinthians chapter 12, Paul uses the word as he talks about the, about the church. He uses the word body 13 times in one chapter. Repetition aids learning. I guess 13 times he talks about the body and several times he uses the word member. That word that has so much baggage for us. That word that honestly has created some hurt in the hearts of people here. Be devoted, be devoted to one another. When we learn about the body of Christ, we learn that God calls us into it and gifts us for it. He gives us gifts for it. In 1 Corinthians 12, he talks about the different roles that we have. And here's what I think is beautiful. Everybody doesn't have the same role, but everybody has some role. Today, my agenda, in part, is to help you think about your role. Are you lagging behind? Are you devoted? How's God made you? How's he gifted you? And who's being blessed by that gift mix that he's given you? Let me be a little crass, maybe a little grotesque, just for a second. But let's say today, right now, I, 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 I were to chop off my hand. Just one, not both. But I were to chop off one of my hands and just place it on a stool next to me, right here, and I just continued preaching. To say that my hand and my body are in the same vicinity is really meaningless, right? Right? To say that my hand is here and here's my body, what, what does that mean? I chopped it off. And who loses in that scenario? The hand loses, it loses critical blood flow. And I lose, my entire body loses. The goal of the body is not to be in the same room or the same vicinity with each other. Guys, that oftentimes is just meaningless. The goal is to be attached And when you and I can find people to attach to, like-minded, common-purpose people who are learning to love without hypocrisy, to be devoted to one another, to not lag behind in diligence, and to help you out when you are lagging behind in diligence. We are to attach ourselves to each other. So church, membership, the scripture teaches is about understanding the body concept. Paul in Ephesians 4 will say that there are joints and ligaments and we are to be attached to each other. He goes on to say in Romans chapter 14, he says that we are to accept one another. This is when we start having a breakdown, right? Because about once a month, I'll sit down with someone who's visited our church. They want to inquire about our church. They want to think about church again but they'll say something about how they've been hurt ever heard that have you experienced it and in that role i've learned over time that that's a really important time for shepherding and pastoral care and to listen to not say much but just to listen and to hear and oftentimes i will hear people talk about when they have not been accepted Now, who among us wants to hang out with any group of people where you're not accepted? Anybody? I mean, honestly, we crave love and acceptance. We want to be appreciated. We want to be affirmed. We want to be accepted. And in scripture, in Romans 14, I quoted today from Romans 12, but in Romans 14, just a little bit later, he says, accept one another. There's that phrase again, one another. Be devoted to one another, prefer one another, give preference to one another, in honor. Accept one another. Now, is that difficult? Is it difficult for you to accept the person you're sitting next to, especially if you know them? It's probably difficult for you at times to accept me or to accept somebody that you're getting to know. But yet, we are commanded as followers of Jesus, to accept one another. On a recent flight, I thought about this very idea. Have you ever waited for your bags at a baggage carousel and you thought, well, where's my bag? Is that my bag? I hope I, hope my, I, hope I don't lose my bag. I hope they didn't lose my bag. I hope I can find my bag when it rolls out on the car- carousel. And it's a, I've had my bags lost enough. I mean, that's one of my most prayerful, fervent times ever of being devoted to the Lord. God, provide, provide. I'm happy for them, but I wanna see my bag, right? And if you have a, like a black Samsonite, like you're thinking, oh, there's a lot of people. But think about it, and I thought about this. There's a lot of different kinds of bags. Tall bags, short bags, different color bags, duffel bags, Samsonite, hard bags. There's a lot of, and even if you have a black bag, a lot of bags have stickers on them, right? When I was on a flight out west and waiting for a bag, and there was a suitcase that looked a little bit like mine, but it said, feel the burn. I thought, that ain't me, okay? I'm not gonna feel the burn. But there are a lot of bumpers, you know, stickers and stuff on bags. There's just a lot of different kinds of bags. And then you go onto the plane, and you see carry-ons, and there's all kind of, there's purses and handbags and backpacks and laptops. There's all kind of bags, right? And that's a good thing. But there's also that thing that says, here's the standard. It can't be any bigger than this. It can't weigh any more than this. And I think that is this beautiful tension that God calls us into. You know, there are standards and there are boundaries. And if we really love each other, we'll help each other with that. But yet, to look at Acts 2 and other passages and say they had everything in common, it doesn't mean they were able to accept each other because they all looked alike. Just the opposite. God values diversity, unity in diversity, but he values diversity. And so maybe one of the ways that you need to grow And I know one of the ways the church needs to grow is how can we accept people better? One church puts it like this. I love this. We're a place where everybody is welcome, nobody is perfect, and anything is possible. Acceptance is very powerful to see life change happen. There are standards, but yet, there differences. How can we accept one another? How can we walk in unity? How can we walk in better unity? Here's what Jesus had to say about unity. Some of you may have heard this. Any kingdom, and how powerfully can this speak into America today as we argue and point fingers and talk about which lives matter? Any kingdom divided against itself is laid waste. Any city or house divided against itself will not stand. It meant so much to Paul. In fact, we'll talk about this next week when we're talking about leadership. But Paul would go on to say this in Romans 16 about division. Brothers and sisters, there's that family, there's that devotion. Brothers and sisters, watch out for those who cause division among you. Acceptance and unity and standing together. Learning to walk this road learning to be a part of the body. So my agenda today is to encourage you to think differently about the church, to think differently about your role in the church. And I want to challenge you as the passage says to be devoted to be devoted to what? To be devoted to one another. And why? Be devoted to one another because you and I have something in us and we're prone we're prone to drift. Hebrews two one, which is all about the church not drifting. It says in Hebrews two one, take heed, be careful, pay attention, that you do not drift. Here's how Hebrews three twelve explains it. Here's why I believe you need to be attached to the body of Christ. Here's why you need spiritual guides and friends and mentors. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. Have you ever met somebody who professed their faith and then they turned away from it? Who among us has that in them? An unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. Know anybody like that? Who's prone to do that? I thought one of you, at least one of you, would join me. Everybody, raise your hand. Make me feel better about myself. Everybody. Deuteronomy 4 9. It's coming. Only be careful, watch yourselves. Man, I heard that growing up. My mama said that a lot. Watch yourselves. Watch yourself closely. Y'all look out for each other. You're in this together. Look out, brothers and sisters. Check on each other. Only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them fade from your heart as long as you live. Here's what the Bible is saying about us. We drift, we turn away, we forget, we fade. So I'm saying to you today, because that's in you, you're not gonna drift into a life that flourishes. You're not gonna have devotion and fervency of spirit and a life that overflows and what God intends for you. Unless you're devoted to one another. And you and I, we need each other. If we're going to be the church, if we're going to be members of one another, we can't cut ourselves off from each other and say, well, we're in the same room together. God calls us to be attached to one another. Yes, to be deeply attached to one another, to pursue unity to strive for acceptance. And by the way, when I accept you, it doesn't mean I approve everything about you. And thank God, as you learn to accept me, you're not called to approve everything about me either. But because we love each other, because we love each other, brothers and sisters, we watch each other closely. Watch me and let me watch you. Some of you may be comforted that we have a team of men who in part watch me. And challenge me when I'm drifting. And do you know that I need that? When I left those pastors this week, I don't know if any of us are gonna be friends, but you know how when you have lunch with somebody and you enjoy it, you exchange numbers and you have a little bit of hope that even though we do church differently and we're very different guys, we're all on the same team and maybe we can help watch each other on the corridor. We drift, you drift, you forget You fade, you turn away. You need people. You need people to watch you closely. You need people who love you deeply. Galatians 6 puts it this way. Let each man, each one carry his own burden. And then it goes on to say, bear one another's burdens. Now that confuses me, does it you? Let me, let me quote it from the NIV. Let, let each man carry his own weight, but bear one another's burdens. A few weeks ago when we were hiking the Colorado Trail, Lanny Pace and I, Lanny's in the back here, and Lanny and I went with another guy here, a hospital administrator from St. Dominic, and we met a guy from Lubbock, Texas, a guy named Paul. And Paul's not going to, he's not here, of course, he's not going to podcast the sermon, so we can talk badly about Paul. Paul didn't make the trail. We hiked 32 miles, sometimes we were at 12,000 feet elevation. Paul didn't make it. At one point, we were going up Black Mountain, Black Hawk Mountain. Lanny and I were there with 40-something pounds on our back, and we were looking way down. And Keith was staying with Paul to help Paul. And I was looking down at the guys and thinking, you know, Keith's helping Paul Keith Buchanan, some of you know Keith. And Keith is helping Paul. And Lanny, Lanny wanted to go down and help Paul. And I didn't. And I thought, you know, he's not going to make it. And you're looking at somebody who's tried races and stuff. I've done things in the woods and runs and I didn't make it, right? So I had that category. Yeah, he's, he's, Paul's not going to make it. And Lanny, Lanny quoted Luke 10, the Good Samaritan, as he looked at me disgustingly. He said, don't you think we ought to help? And so Lanny, I, I said no, and Lanny went down and got Paul's backpack. And let me tell you, the elevation, what we hiked up, I would never go down and up again and carry another's. I, I just, That's not me. But evidently, that's Lanny. It was very inspiring. And Paul had to be helped off the trail the next day. And that very same day, we were walking, and I was doing like this. I was rubbing my eye, and I, I, I kind of, you know, I, they were wanting to call a ambulance, I guess, but I said, man, I've got, sun, I've got lotion in my eye. And Lanny said, hey, man, you can, you can hike with one eye. Come on. Now, in a way, in a way, that's the body of Christ. There are times when we got to look at each other and say, hey, you got this. Carry your load. And we help each other when we do that. But there are times when we say, this person's not gonna make it. We've gotta bear their burden. And that's being devoted to each other. And God give us the wisdom to know when to do which. I was thinking this weekend about raising teenagers. And I won't tell you why I was thinking about raising teenagers, but how many of you are raising teenagers, or you have raised a few teenagers? You, you're going to feel my pain here. But teenagers are an interesting breed. Now, there's things happening with their hormones and in their brain. I mean, neurologically, they're not quite fully human, right? And teenagers, the how they are, especially in a modern world, they want their room. In fact, my daughter and I had a discussion a couple weeks ago where we, saw, we didn't see things eye to eye, and she said, I'm going to my room. And I said, well, you're actually going to my room. And everything in that room is technically mine. But you go ahead and think you're going to. You're like, there's this fierce fight for independence. And teenagers, they're the sort, will they come out? They come out rarely. And sometimes it's just to be fed. Sometimes they come out just to grab something from the fridge and head right back in the room. Listen to me, they don't come out for family. They come out to be fed. And I'm saying to you, without trying to shame anybody, the church has its problems. And we're going to talk about leadership next week. But I'm saying to some of us, we've got to grow past the teenage maturity level. Where we come out for family, not just to be fed. And sadly, the sit, soak, and sour among us. That's our thing. We, in fact, we go places to be fed. And we think about the privileges. Why would I join a church unless membership has its privileges? And God's calling us, he's calling us to be family. I want to get, Jeff, if I could, a couple of guys to bring up this board. It's going to be a little bit heavy. Will or Tyler, maybe you guys could do it. And just bring it up if you would. Don't cut yourself. This would be a really bad paper cut with a lot of blood loss. But as these guys bring this up, some of you might have been around our church family last October. We did a four-part series called Labeled. And we talked, don't be so noisy, please. We talked about we talked about what those voices in our heads say and we talked about what others say but we tried to superintend over that, what God says about us. And that verse that we put up a minute ago from Hebrews chapter three that talks about how we turn away, how we have an unbelieving heart. The very next, very next verse, Hebrews 3.13 says, encourage one another daily so that you won't be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Encourage one another. Can I ask you, who needs encouragement today? The older I get, the more transparent I become about when I'm discouraged. And you know what? I'm in good company. Because the scripture is filled with a lot of people who battle with discouragement. David, King David said in Psalm 42, among many places, he said, why am I so downcast, oh my soul? He's battled depression. King Solomon, Ecclesiastes 7.1 said, "It's the, the day of death is better than the day of birth. Elijah had a great victory on Mount Carmel. Who didn't want to go to Mount Carmel? Who didn't want to win? That's what Elijah did, but right after the victory at Mount Carmel, he plunged into the depths of depression and asked God, 1 Kings 19.4, to take his life. Jonah did the same thing in Jonah chapter chapter 4, God slay me, God kill me. Paul said we are so crushed and so perplexed, we are so beaten down that we are despondent of life itself. Yet I know that in churches today, including this one, we've got to be careful because people think they can't admit, we think we can't admit that we battle with depression. And you and I, we're so prone to fade, so prone to drift, so prone to turn away and give ourselves over to an unbelieving heart because of the discouragement that's anchored itself in our souls. Will and Tyler are holding this board. Nick preached this sermon. Nick Crawford did. At the end of a sermon back last October, he had, he had people in the sanctuary write down a lie, a lie that they were believing about themselves. These are very things that some of you wrote. I'm not, I'm not good enough, I'm selfish, I'm stubborn, I'm disloyal, I'm inadequate. I'm fat, I'm lazy, I'm materialistic, I'm unwanted. I'm a failure, I'm a stupid, I'm a stupid, I'm stupid. I'm I'm late, I'm guilty, I'm unwanted. I'm just gonna read these. I'm a faggot, I'm not good enough. I'm impatient, I'm a hypocrite, I'm weak. I'm too small. I'm an overthinker. These are the things. These are the ways that the enemy works in our life. And this board that Tyler and Will are holding, this very board represents the thoughts in our head, the things that encourage us. And it represents the very reason that I stand here today with an agenda to change your mind. We need one another you need the body of Christ. What would it look like if we could share about ourselves and say, here's something I'm struggling with. Or at least, hey, I'm telling myself this. What do you think? And then you give somebody an opportunity to speak into that very thing. Now we all can go online and read a bunch of angry articles about the church. And God help us, help us to heal where we need to heal. But there is something beautiful about us helping each other call out what God says about us. Encourage one another daily so that you won't be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Today, I'm asking you to think afresh about being devoted to one another because we drift. And we drift into discouragement and we drift into lies. Would you pray with me?